and three and two and one. Hey, man, you're cracking me up with the countdown, Jim. I love you said that you didn't want to be laughing at the beginning. So we did it again and you laughed at the beginning. Because you did the countdown again in that ridiculous voice. I never stopped recording. This whole thing's the intro. Oh, God. <laughs> Good. I got nothing to talk about anyway. It's hard, man, to keep Let's coming up this. with content when there's nothing happening in life. Well, we had Mother's Day yesterday. That was yes. something happening. It was excellent. We had a nice time. We picked up some food from Il Porcelino. Ooh. Drove downtown. It was cool to drive downtown. I mean, I haven't been down. I've been down maybe once or twice. I like being down there, but it does bum you out. Like, you hate to see it so dead. I haven't even, like, I don't go to other neighborhoods. I guess yeah. I've been to a couple. I went to the south side, you know, for that birthday parade, but yeah, I haven't been to the city once. When I was driving down there, I was thinking in my head, I'm coming back here soon. I need to come around here. It's good energy. Good, Is there any uh, energy? Are people out? Not energy in the sense of like, it's, you know, something you can grab onto or palpable. No, it's dead. It's a, it's tumbleweed zone. But uh-huh. good energy in the fact that this world needs to come back and being down there, all the like flood of memories yeah, been man. there, used to go there, want to go there, got to get back to that that life. I think it's good to be reminded of all the stuff you're missing just to, you know, give you something to look forward to. Oh, sure. That's nice. What uh, what the kids It's an mom? inspirational episode. It sure is, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, picked up the food, chicken, Vesuvio, got some cocktails. Like they, they gave you like a cocktail package that you make at home, with the, which included, like, those big fancy uh, ice cubes, those oversized ice cubes. Oh, yeah? Got a little cooler in there? They came in, it came in a box. I'm not ah. even sure. Sarah was dealing with that. I didn't make one of those. <laughs> <laughs> made her make the drinks for Mother's Day, but you got a little porcelain. Made, was it a made family drive? Uh, just me and my daughter, me okay. and Joe's. That's nice. So yeah, it was cool. Up a little bit. Yeah, we knocked out a couple phone calls. On the way back, on the way there, we just had a nice conversation. It was a, uh, it was a good day. It was cold. They said that the Mother's Day was the first, maybe the second time I think that this has happened in the last two hundred years, or since they even started keeping track, that Christmas was warmer than Mother's Day. Wow, twenty five years from now, during our three thousandth episode, that's going to come up in, uh, it's going to come up in trivia. Yes, I'm not going to remember. <laughs> When was the last? When was that? Was it during the pandemic? <laughs> Which one? Which viral outbreak was that? <laughs> this oh, better be it? the only one. Oh, I hope so, man. Of this... Although they, you do hear that that this is that they say that it could be more common. Yeah, they've happened before. Like every couple of years, right? There's one. I've just like always been. I, I've heard of them, and you know, and they're happening in the background. But like, they've never had an impact on me personally before as terrible as it is to say. So, you know, I've never taken them. Like now I think all of these are just going to take on more meaning than they ever have before. Well, I think that when you hear, when you hear about like, when you heard about SARS or MRSA or MERS or all those other things, Ebola, all those things that were going on, they were dealt with quickly and snuffed out. Now, when you hear about those background things, it's not going to be background. It'll be, it's going to scare a lot of people, I think. Yeah. Where, where they probably won't need to be scared because it is more likely that it'll be like all the other ones that they're able to contain. 
But this one, man. It's the big one, as Red gotta, Fox would say. Got to get a COVID. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I um, – I, Delete that. Just delete that. I hate nope. my life, Jim. Nope. It's all I'm staying rusty. in. It's all staying in. I did a, uh, a drive-by at my mom's. I uh, dropped some stuff off, rang the bell, talked to her from outside for about 15 minutes. Love my mom. Happy to spend some time with her on Mother's Day. Likes to talk. Didn't hate the fact that I wasn't able. Like, <laughs> it's nice to get a break once in a while. Like 15 <laughs> minutes. That's all I got right now. I'll call you, but I can't come in. <laughs> you told her you had to go. You had a hard out. I got a hard I mean, out. I didn't give her a hard out. I just uh, it was freezing outside. It was Pat. It's only the second time in 200 years it's been colder on Mother's Day than it has been on Christmas. So, you know, it's uh, true. Saying socially distant, I couldn't walk in the house. So we. Uh, it was great. We had a nice time, but uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a nice brief engagement. Awesome. Yeah, I got to see I got to see my mom on Saturday. Her and my dad came out, and they we had a social distance hang. Saturday was a little bit nicer out. They got to see the kids. We had a we had a good hang. That's great. I love that. Is it tough? Like, do the kids do they want to run up and give hugs right away and everything? No, they know now that they mm. just they know to hang back. But, you know, Elliot did get really close to my mom. And, I mean, I think that we're good because we've been good. They've been good. Who knows, dude? Oh, boy. Who, I watched this crazy thing on the, uh, the UFC had uh, some fights on Saturday at, like, a private island. Oh, yeah. And uh, one of the fighters tested positive, asymptomatic. But, like, they were showing the weigh-ins. And the simplest things, like, want, like – he fist bumped a guy and then they showed that guy fist bumping another guy. And then like all of the, like just fucking crazy. Now that we know, you know, it, it wouldn't, I mean, if nothing had happened, it probably wouldn't have been a big deal, but I was just like, why, first of all, why is this even happening? Second of all, though, why are they getting to the point where they're touching each other? Right. So he like, didn't fight. Like, he tested positive. Yeah. Him and two. Uh, so I don't, I'm not like, I don't watch UFC. I prefer my fighting fake. Thank you. I, uh, <laughs> but I, no, I, um, so he tested positive and two of his corner men tested positive. So like they sent him away, but I was just reading all this backstory and watching some stuff on ESPN because, you know, they're like, oh, he's, uh, he's locked away separately at the hotel. And then ESPN showed footage of him around other fighters at the hotel. So it, it's just, it's crazy how the little breaches can have a big impact, especially when there are cameras on to see exactly what's happening. Right. You know what I mean? And then you can see everyone that that person touched. Never, it just, you can see how the splintering occurs. But I wonder uh, what else they tested positive for. <laughs> the rest of the fights went on. Some people got their asses kicked. It was all in all a good weekend. Some people got their ass kicked. Some people got you know, just what we need. <laughs> Some people got the virus. It was Finally. a success. <laughs> Finally, a normal weekend. Which island were they on? I don't know. I think they were calling it Fight Island, which uh, I don't believe is real. I think they just dubbed it that for this. I, um, I, I think they just rented a private island and Fight no audience. Mm-hmm. It sounds like uh, Firefest. <laughs> it sure does. But they pulled it off, huh? They had an arena for them or just... Yeah, I think they built one. Um, that- I think they built one on this private island and... Uh, no fans in attendance like everyone was tested i mean they were doing everything they possibly could you know as far as what they were telling us ahead of time it was just like this lapse of why would you let people get that close and touch each other and 
Like he fist bumped Dana White, who owns the UFC, and then Dana White hugs somebody, you know, and, and just you're watching how quickly it, it, it spiders out. Yeah, man, the UFC, they'd seem, you'd think that they would have it all together. They seem like a bright bunch of gentlemen. <laughs> they would have it all figured out. These, these barbarians don't have it. <laughs> I feel like if there's one segment of a fan base you don't want to piss off. <laughs> that, that. I'm joking. I they know. know that, don't I they? Know. I'm sure that they'll be fine. The virus will not penetrate the <laughs> their brow. They all have like that shelf <laughs> forehead. Are you trying to counteract uh, what Tom Segura said this weekend? Are you trying? <laughs> no, I like. Um, I actually have changed my stance on some of that UFC. It is. It's. It is like a step back like from uh like civilized fighting like boxing i mean boxing was huge when i was not even that huge when we were kids but big enough i think it was really big like when yeah our parents were younger but boxing is like an afterthought now and this ufc stuff is kind of brutal but i watched when i was on the road i got into a, a few of the um the fights i still don't know anybody's name or who's mm -hmm. got the belt like the belt changes every week it seems like there's a new champ every other day in that thing well, I feel Am like I wrong? I, I don't. I mean, I feel like every weight class has its own belt, so yeah. there's just tons of different, tons of different title yeah. holders. So anyway, I was watching them, and they are—they will get your interest if you see if you see a really good one. Like I saw a couple like brutal battles. They are fighting machines, and the women's fighting is some of the most interesting. Like there are some incredible battles there. Well, that's what we did yesterday for uh, Mother's Day. Sarah wanted to binge watch women UFC fighting. <laughs> and I said, hey, right, right. go ahead. Make mm -hmm. yourself a cocktail. It's your day. <laughs> Get it's the big you. cube. Get the big cube out of the box. I'll take, I'm going to take a ride downtown. <laughs> and I'll be back. You can watch some battles. So, yeah, I came home and she had, like built a ring with the kids and she was nice. Yeah, had them on. So, teach them submission holds that's good so, did you guys get a new mouthpiece for mother's day <laughs> yeah <laughs> got her that and um you know some gear perfect what did you guys uh what did you guys watch was it like her day did is it yeah i think she had a nice day we did breakfast in bed all right which is the kids were so fired up about all they wanted to do is do breakfast in bed now breakfast in bed is a tough read because i wasn't trying to let her sleep mm -hmm. and i'm like oh it's nine o'clock like is this this is acceptable you know i was working it back from when she because we had a very chill weekend we both took a break from uh the vino put the wine down no drinking so oh, friday saturday were chill nights so she got a, a good amount of sleep so i thought maybe she's not even asleep maybe she's up there playing possum i've done that yeah, get a little Everybody's rest. awake, and I'm up, and I'm, I might take my phone out or just hang out, you know? But, uh, no, went up there. She was out cold. But at that point, we had the dinner or the breakfast. We had the tray. The kids were ready. But breakfast in bed, it never happens, really. Like, she didn't sit there in bed and eat it. Like, we brought it downstairs, and she ate it down there. Yeah, it sounds like an incredibly uncomfortable place to eat. Yeah, it always sounds like a good idea. Yeah. No one really likes breakfast in bed. No one really likes sex in the shower. No. Too much work. Someone's always cold. Oh, man. That was, that was Mother's Day. <laughs> no breakfast in bed and no sex in the shower. 
Like every other Mother's Day. <laughs> Good to know we all have the same Mother's Day. The only difference when this one was colder than Christmas. <laughs> and the kids realized it was Mother's Day, so they were helping me out. You know, I was doing – I don't mind doing the dishes, right? That's a good one to do. I'm, I'm diving in more on the, the, the chores just because I'm home more. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning. I'm learning, like, where certain things go. Because, you know, sometimes, like, you don't know where it goes. Even in – I don't know if you realize – or you don't really have this because you're not married, but, like, a casserole dish – or a certain appliance like i might know where it goes but i'm often told that that's not where it goes no i mean and i've lived with girlfriends before and and it's uh it's one of those double-edged swords where you kind of feel like an idiot at first but then eventually it gets you out of doing certain tasks yeah when they're like you know what i'll just handle it (laughs) yeah there's there's no way that goes there's no way that casserole dish goes in the hallway closet just exactly. get it back I'll, I'll put it where it stays in the kitchen with everything else when i would live with guys like there were really no rules like that it was more like where did you put it where does, Not, it, where fit? does it go exactly because if you ask a guy like hey where does this go then they'll that just opens up you know put it up your ass <laughs> hey do you guys know where this goes bend over i'll show you you used to live with ufc fighters <laughs> yeah Basically. Oh my gosh. When you're living with guys at that age. So anyway, I'm, um, I was doing the dishes. So I got Luke to come over and he was drying them all. And now I realize that that's, he should be our official dryer. This kid has got the right hand size. Oh yeah. He's like a, it's like a pipe cleaner. Mm-hmm. Like he can put his hand into the the glass, the bottom of the glass. Like get right in there. in there. Right all like he's got, he's the right size. I don't know how long this window will be open, but we have to use to use him take advantage of his abilities more often because he can get into those far far to reach places. That's great. You're gonna be disappointed when his hands start growing. <laughs> then he was getting cocky. All my kids like to do that. Like you're like, hey, good job. You're doing a good job, and he's like, I'm better at drying than you are. I'm like, okay, sure you are. I'm the best dryer. Stop bragging about, but we're doing more uh, like hand washing dishes and running the hell out of that dishwasher. Oh man, I went from barely using it to almost daily. We're daily for sure. Mm-hmm. If I don't, I'll sometimes forget to run it before I go to bed and then I get in trouble for that. Well, you guys have a million cups and everything. Oh yeah, there's so many cups. Like me, about- worst case scenario, if I don't run it, I'm like, mm, I could use that cup again. Oh yeah, right. You can- it's mine. <laughs> I'll do the, uh, sometimes I'll open the dishwasher and you realize that they're all clean. Mm-hmm. Like you go to put one in and you're like, oh boy. And you broke the seal too. Cause it's usually a seal, right? It says like drying and then it will stop drying, but it's still kind of has, it's still kind of locked in place. Yeah. So if you break that seal, you got to unload that dishwasher like yeah, on site almost, <laughs> especially in these days. You know, my old move used to be like, oh, I was... I wasn't here. I was still running when I was here. <laughs> Not much different. Yeah. <laughs> now I got to deal with it. I could never get away with that, man. You pop that bad boy open with glasses on, they fog up. <laughs> you can't be like, I didn't open it. Oh, I love when you catch it right there when the steam's coming out. Open <laughs> it, give yourself a little facial. It's kind of great. That's, I, I always call Sarah over. Come on. Spas <laughs> are closed down. But here you go. I got you. Happy Mother's Day. Just steam your face. Then you make her unload it. <laughs> All right, well, you broke the seal. So, <laughs> Luke, go help your mother. I'm going to watch TV. 
Yeah, we had a pretty pretty good Mother's Day. Nice weekend. That's great, I, man. I got some stuff from uh, Sarah's friends. Got a shop out in uh, right outside of Chicago in the in Elmhurst. Okay. Kai and Kate. It's like a oh yeah yeah boutique. They got out everything. So you went and did some uh, online shopping for at the. Yeah, and um, this is like Sarah's college roommate. She's great. So I connected with her, put some stuff together. And then you feel good about, you know, buying stuff from a small business owner. Supporting local. Because that's, I was trying to get some, uh, applying for the SBA stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like going through the process and I don't know where or when it happened, but they had me as Pat McGann magician. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. So what does that change? Um... I have to learn some stuff. I try yeah. to try and saw Sarah in half tonight. <laughs> See if I can find anything out of, in a hat. Seems like a good place to start. <laughs> All these hats are empty. Maybe don't. Maybe comedians aren't allowed, but magicians are. That can't be right. I have no idea. But these people I'm working with at the bank now, I, I want to like tell them, hey, by, by the way, I'm not. I'm not a magician. I'm a. Do you? No, I'm not saying anything. Okay, I just want to keep moving forward. Let's just go. Like, just like take really long handkerchiefs out of your pocket at meetings with them. <laughs> I had to email them all these forms today, and I was just like, the title of my email was Abracadabra. Poof. What are some other <laughs> magician terms? <laughs> That's the only ones. Abracadabra and poof. Ta-da. <laughs> Ta-da. Ta-da's a great one. Yeah, that's Ta-da's signed a off. <laughs> Um, be like, hey, can I use this pen behind your ear? <laughs> and take a quarter. <laughs> what if that's the loan they gave me? They came over to my house and were like, oh, it's, it's right here. You didn't see it? And they reach behind my ear and it's just a few coins. They're like, here you go. This is only forgivable if you use it for payroll. Ta-da! Are you a magic fan? A magician fan? Fan really, of magic? Of course I am. I learned a couple magic tricks when I was like in high school and I'd learn a couple like card tricks and stuff that I couldn't do at parties because I wasn't interesting. And then uh, that love kind of, you know, I, I never like did anything with it. Um, but Jimmy Schubert, a fantastic comic and uh, a friend of ours, I worked with him for a week in Vegas and that dude is a big time amateur magician. Um, so he was doing card tricks every night and everything and it was cool. And then uh, I ended up taking a date to uh, the Chicago Magic Lounge a couple months ago. Oh, you did? Open the front door. It's like, this is where the magic happens. Whoa, what happened to this girl? I mean, I'm still seeing her. I just don't talk oh, you about still it out loud, so. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, she disappeared. Oh. <laughs> Ta-da! I, I'm a fan. I haven't been to, um, I haven't seen like a magic show in a while. I love the, some of those card tricks. Ever see the one where like that you sign your name and then all of a sudden you're, the, the card you signed is like in your pocket? Dude, it's crazy. Those in a ones, sealed envelope? Those ones still get me some of them. I had like a run because actually uh, Harry and I had one on our podcast. And then um, I worked with a guy named Derek Hughes in St. Charles, who's a great magician too. So by like the 15th viewing of magic in a short period of time, you stop looking at the tricks and you start trying to figure them out. Yeah, I never try and figure them out that much. Have you ever done a week working with a magician? No. By the weekend, you're going to, if you do. You know, like if you're, if yeah. you're doing multiple shows with someone, 
Like it's I, even as a fan, I love it. I'm in. I'll watch it. It's great if it's done well. But then, by like the fourth time you see it, you're like, all right, what's uh, when's he getting that card into their pocket? You know? Yeah. You ever see like um, David Blaine or the one that uh, Hicks opens for Brian Hicks? He's a magician, right? Yeah, Mike, Michael Carbonaro. Michael Carbonaro. Yeah. So when we were younger, like David Copperfield, Doug Henning. You remember Doug Henning? He had like. Uh, the long curly hair, kind of like buck teeth and mustache and just always smiling. And it's the illusion of magic and the illusion. Like yeah, just, like, <laughs> You do remember him? I do. I thought you said no. I, I knew the name. And then now that I see a picture of him, I, uh, I do recall him. And then Copperfield. David Copperfield was like, he would have like specials on TV. I saw Copperfield. We were like in high school. We were probably like 97 we went to the old, uh, the old Rosemont Horizon to see him. Oh, gosh, you did. the Rosemont Theater. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was, it was like a big group of us, too. Oh, man. This was just after he had made the Statue of Liberty disappear. So Trench coats? What are you game. guys wearing into that show? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> We're going to see Copperfield. It was dude, like, I was going to bring that up. Remember when he made the Statue of Liberty disappear? Oh, my God. That's just such a funny thing to me because people had to be like, no, but it's, it's right there still. I saw something that showed, that talked about the behind the scenes on that. Mm -hmm. And it was all like somebody that was there. I think it was like a documentary about it or something. And it was all BS. It was all nonsense. And they Wait were all minute. in on it. It didn't actually disappear? <laughs> no. Oh. But it didn't even like, he didn't even like make it disappear for those people. Ah, really? I think the... Did the stage like rotate or something? Or maybe that was a rumor. And it, it was like not even as elaborate as you would think. Like, how did he pull it off? I think it was just blatantly like, just no, it was just a lie. <laughs> it was like deflating to hear about it. That dude is, has made himself a ton of money there. Um, it's kind of weird because I mean, you go from that level of fame where again, he was all over TV, all that. And wasn't it, did he marry Christy Brinkley or Claudia Schiffer? Oh, he did maybe Claudia Schiffer, right? Is, that's the one, yeah. Christy Brinkley was with Billy Joel. Ah, okay. He got an uptown girl. <laughs> you remember that? He was living in a downtown world. <laughs> Claudia Schiffer, I forgot about her and David. Oh, boy, what was going on there? That's, uh, that's the best magic trick he ever pulled off. Everybody thought he was gay, and he's like, I'm going to make these rumors disappear. <laughs> Alakazam. Trying to think of other ones. It was <laughs> he, 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 um, he was like using his uh, celebrity to to get some action. I know that because he there was like a girl that went to his show and she sued him or something, or she came out about this experience. Like she was sitting in the front and she got invited to come backstage and she's like, "Oh, can I bring my husband?" And they're like, "Nope." And then uh, she did go back there, I think, with Sans, Sans hubby. Like, he probably just wants to meet me. Wow. He's just being nice. You are ruining my opinion of David Copperfield today, Pat. Why are we talking about him so much? Great question. Let's move on. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I don't think they say that. <laughs> they don't? There was I an edition that said that, I think, on uh, Sesame Street or something. Would you ever go intentionally see a magician? Um, yes. Like, I wish I'd seen Penn and Teller when they were in Vegas. 
Yeah. Yeah. They, they probably put on a great show. Do they still, uh, does the one still not talk? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, and I think they still have that. They have a show, don't they? They have like a show where now they just, uh, they try and figure out other people's tricks. Okay. Penn and Teller's fool me. So I don't think they perform anymore, but yeah, Teller still doesn't talk. It's Teller that doesn't talk? Yeah. Penn Gillette's the big one. He talks. Oh. At the bank, it's the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, at least that made the conversation worth it. So (laughs) as much as I'm mad at you for that joke, it saved a few minutes of the podcast. So appreciate it. I never could tell the difference between them. I just know that they are Penn and Teller. I don't know which one is which. But did you ever see The Amazing Jonathan? No. I mean, I've seen his stuff, but I thought you meant the, uh, the movie that came out. Have you, have you seen the documentary? No? No, I haven't seen it. It's great. It, there is just a level of narcissism there that is awesome. He has oh, like four documentary crews filming documentaries on him at the same time. <laughs> no one knows about the other ones. <laughs> And then Steve Byrne made this movie, right? Was he involved in it? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure Steve Byrne made that movie, that movie, that documentary. And Steve Byrne is a great comic. Absolutely. To people listening. Steve Byrne is actually one of the first comics that took me way out on the road. I did a couple uh, of gigs with Steve and he was, he's a good dude. He was living in Chicago for, for a stretch. He had that yeah, show he was. Sullivan. He's had Sullivan and Sons. He's got a great relationship with Vince Vaughn and Vince Vaughn has backed some of his projects. Him and um, I think uh, Chris Billingsley or what's his name Billingsley from uh, Christmas Story. Peter Billingsley. It's Peter Peter Billingsley. There we go. That sounds more familiar. Yeah. Yeah, man. Amazing Jonathan documentary was done uh, by Steve Byrne. Yeah. There's two. So there's that one and then the Hulu one that I watched. Oh, okay. Which is incredible because that means that there's another documentary crew that I wasn't even aware of that Steve Byrne brought to the table. That's hilarious. So there are two about him. Yeah. Yeah, He's still alive. Burns was like more, yeah, so, and there's, there's I don't want to spend the entire time talking about magicians before we go to Michael Jordan, but they, um, he was like diagnosed and, and only had a few months to live and had these doc- documentary crews in there, but then he kept living and people were just like, hey, what's going on? And okay. <laughs> there's just a lack of answers for any of it. So this one is much more sinister in tone than the uh, Steve Byrne one. I really think the Steve yeah. Byrne one is just more about like the actual, you know, just more about Jonathan's life and career and everything and what happened with, uh, with his heart diagnosis. There's another great documentary about a magician. Um, have you ever heard of the Egyptian magician? No. Tell me about it. The Egyptian magician. You remember that for jerky boys? <laughs> I come in. I am the Egyptian magician. I light myself on fire. And he's like, ah, no, I don't. I don't think you can have that. I, <laughs> I light you on fire too. I'm the Egyptian magician. Didn't they? They just put out a new album. The Jerky Boys. Yeah. Oh, come on. I love it. How do you get away with later. it? Prank call, man. I used to make a ton of prank calls. Crank calls. We always say crank. Yeah, for sure. But national, like people said prank, right? I don't was know. There because a... Crank Yankers is... Oh, yeah. Crank Yankers. Yeah, crank Yankers was the first time I heard crank being used on like, the mainstream level. Yeah. Do you think it was supposed to be crank? Or do you think it's just that Chicago accent? We thought they were saying crank, but they were trying to say prank. <laughs> no, I think it's... 
crank here for sure, but I think a lot of people say prank. We used to make crank calls all the time. What do you do after being a jerky boy? Like, what's the next step in a career? Where, where, where were they for 20 years? Jerky man. So with the, the new albums, Jerky Men. <laughs> no, it's actually their business where they sell um, dehydrated meats. <laughs> they should cross, <laughs> cross pollinate like that. I said, <laughs> set up a meeting with Slim Jim. Some synergies. <laughs> Did you ever do the uh, the crank calls? Not a lot. I remember um, one time before I knew caller ID existed. Um, we called a pizza place and ordered like four pizzas to this girl's house. And they were like, okay, sounds good. We'll see you in an hour. We're like, okay. And then they called right back. Oh, really? <laughs> and it was at my house. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what's about to happen? And uh, I'm like, I, I don't want to answer this. And then my mom answered it. <laughs> oh, like, man. hey, do you want like four pizzas going to? And she's like, what? No. And somehow never got in trouble for it. Wow. So that ended the crank calling career very quickly. Caller ID ruined it. Before caller ID, though, like I, I used to, when I, we were in college, we were doing them. You just dial like the extension, the Ford, you know, when you're living in a dorm. We had a great one where we would sit, because you get a blue slip in your mailbox. I mean, you had a package, because your mailbox is so small, right? So you get a oh, blue yeah. slip. You get a blue slip, and then like, that means you have a package, and then packages. The pickup was only like from 5 to 7 p.m. And if you didn't get it that day, then you had to go with the next day. So we were like getting ready for dinner and we would call. We would just randomly just do a bunch of extensions in the book. And be like, hey, sorry, we didn't get the blue slips out today. But you do, there is a package down here with your name on it. And then we would go down, then we would go down there and just watch people get turned away. Like, why? What was the biggest assholes? I got in trouble for that. I got busted in college for making prank calls, crank calls. You are a much shittier person than people think you were. Do you know what? Like, shittier or just immature? I mean, I immature, never was, not I like, wasn't doing it with malice. I was just trying to be funny. I know. But God, we used to call the... people. We used to call people from the reader, Chicago. This is like in my 20s when I was living <laughs> with my buddies. <laughs> We would go through the reader and the people were selling like, they were selling a mattress or a TV or a piano. And we call them. Can we hear, can we hear the piano? We get people to play the piano for us over the song, over the phone. Can, can you, they're selling the TV. Can you turn the TV up? Can you turn it on to channel 11? That's what I like to watch and turn it up and just pulled it there. Let me see how it sounds. And would they do it? Oh yeah. What was your, you're like, nah. Not loud enough. <laughs> like, what you guys do next? Oh, I don't know. We do. Then we call people and say that they this one Blockbuster was still in business and tell them that hey, we are. It says here that you still have Braveheart. <laughs> I don't have Braveheart. What are you talking about? Like, it's a movie. It's about William Wallace, Mel Gibson. I know what the movie's about. I don't have it. I remember he puts like the blue paint on his face. On a horse yelling freedom. Yeah, we were worst. The worst. That's hysterical. I might be back doing that soon. I got yeah, a man. job now that I'm a magician. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, man. We should probably talk about the last dance, huh?
Did you watch it twice? I know you're a watch it twice guy before we do this whenever you can. So I watched them twice for the first time. I did not watch it twice. There we go. Switching roles. But I did watch it. What'd you think? I loved them. And the more people say that this will make you not like Michael Jordan, this and that, just makes me understand him better. Like, sure. yeah, he was an asshole, but for the right reasons. Right. He, I mean, completely. Even the people, and he's like anyone, he's flawed, he's human. He probably did some things he shouldn't. And, you know, but I mean, when the portrayals we saw of him, it feels like they were making him out to be a little bit worse than he was at the time, just, just for the narrative, just for the story. And uh, yeah. I get why he got sick of that. I get why he left. Yeah, for sure. And like he says, this winning and succeeding at that level comes with a price. Like, I and hate Tom he Brady. He was willing. Yeah. And imagine if they were telling me, like, all the, like, you know, if Tom Brady had done all these things and the gambling and all that. Like, but I mean, even without that, right? People hate on a winner after a long time. You just yeah, get tired of, of it. So while that's happening to him, he's also feeding into it by, by having, you know, some of those flaws, the, the gambling specifically. But I don't think he was hated as much as, like, a guy like Tom Brady is hated for whatever reason, because Tom Brady didn't bring the NFL to where it is. Michael Jordan, like when they went back to Indiana and all those people, like the first game back, the Pacers, and they were going bananas for him. Yeah. Which I always like thought it was a little bit strange too, because I do remember people loving him all over the country. And I do remember feeling like, but he's ours. Like he's from Chicago. Like, why do you like him? Yeah. Like, you don't I get hate, him. I hate your players. Like I can't stand Sean Kemp or Clyde Drexler or, but those people would hate that the Bulls are winning, but they still loved Michael Jordan. What'd you think about the um, retirement? Do you remember that? God. I remember that White Sox game vividly. And I remember the tone shifting somewhere in the middle of that game. And uh, yeah. yeah, I was just like this pit in my stomach. This can't be real. It was too bad that it broke during the game. It didn't oh, yeah. overshadow that, that playoff game, which was. Do you remember that? People went crazy when you came out to throw that first pitch. That was so funny, that uh, picture you sent me today about that outfit. <laughs> you still will not, uh, you will not, you know, come to your senses on the Jordan outfits. I mean, yeah, he had some fashionable moments in the 90s, but one, that all denim is not the look. No, you're right. I got I to gotta backtrack on a little, <laughs> some of the, yeah, he looked like he got run over from a, by a denim truck. And the fact and the that pris- the prison comparison, the sh- <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah. did like, look like he was in Shawshank. Coach sent me that meme today. I've been getting some solid. Uh, I've been getting a lot of backup from listeners on that fact on the uh, on the Jordan terrible dressing. Yeah, I guess the, I didn't really realize how bad a dresser he is. The berets, but he's, but he's also the, not. I don't know. I have a hard time taking shots. I'm like, <laughs> I, know, you, I can clearly tell you should have produced this documentary. You would have fit right in. Oh, uh, I'm not that blind. I do see. <laughs> hey, I told you, uh, I sent you the thing about Ken Burns. You did, man. And you're right. It is a Michael Jordan puff piece. And I love that about it. <laughs> no, I love it too. It's the best documentary I've ever seen. I cannot get enough. I don't want it to end. I am going to watch it again this week. But the, uh, it's funny to hear last night, you know, a lot of people don't talk about the fact that, you know, when he was playing baseball, like a lot of people don't talk about the fact that he had a 13 game hitting streak to open the, you forget like, that they went out of their way to remind you yep. because you know where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And even and, Jerry, like Reinsdorf is like, 
look, I believe if he kept playing, he would have made it to the majors, but he didn't keep like even in, in the interview, every time they say something bad about it, they have to preface it. Right. Yeah. I was um, completely shocked. I remember that baseball game too, the White Sox game. And um, what I remember more is the next day. So I was a senior in high school and it was um, where I went to school. We had at Marist, we had this uh, senior service where every day for you didn't, you would lose your study period. And it was like your religion class and study period. And you would go somewhere in the community with three other guys. So groups of four. And they had these relationships. I think they still do it. They had these relationships with all these local hospitals, um, retirement homes, um, places where people have disabilities, rehab centers, and you did senior service. So my senior service was at this hospital I went to every day. And like our, with three of my buddies, three guys, you know, that I was assigned to. And I went, and at that time I was assigned to the pediatric area. Okay. So you'd go there and you'd just read a book to kids or play. You guys want to play games. Just try and like, you know, kids that didn't have parents there. And um, I went there and I just went into an empty hospital room and watched that entire press conference. I did no senior service that day. (laughs) I ignored all the sick kids. No, I mean, I don't think there was a lot for me to do that day. I was so, so shook by that. Like kind of pathetic, but when you see the footage of the people watching that press conference, that's the same look that I had. I mean, you're in dis- disbelief. John Paxson's face. Did you see Pax on there? No. Oh God. They're just scrolling through and you see Pax with his head down. And, but like the look on his face, you just, he's just like, we're fucked. Like you can just oh, see it on his face that, you know, I mean, this is, this is the greatest player in the world in his prime. Right. And Jerry's got to pretend to be happy for him. Yeah. They, the, <laughs> the fact that Jerry was able to do that, that Phil Jackson, you know, was able to – that's why I think Jordan stuck with those people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why he came back, why he came back to that team. How different would the NBA and uh, trajectory be if that strike in 94 never happened? I really wonder about that. Because even if Jordan knew he was done and, and baseball wasn't the thing for him, he's not the type of guy who walks away from something unfinished. But not crossing a picket line gave him an out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, very true. I think he still would have come back to basketball at some point, or he would or maybe, have gone to hit 700 maybe the next home runs. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be watching a totally different documentary. But surprised he didn't have someone saying that. <laughs> Peter Gammons, you see like a shadow of a of a gun and a backwards beret. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's Michael doing it himself. Yeah, the. Uh, that era is always tough to deal with, but I have never believed that conspiracy on the gambling that that's why he had to quit. That's just not something that you could keep quiet or that the death of his dad was tied to that either. That's the tougher one for me. That's the tougher one for me to, it's like, no, you can't. It's, it's a weird story of why did he pull off to sleep? I understand that, but that was his lifestyle, which they left out of the documentary last night mm-hmm. his lifestyle was to disappear for you know sure a few days like he would just he was living as i don't think that the the marriage is what they projected okay i think that he was out and about you know out bopping around <laughs> doing his thing <laughs> and then all of a sudden it was like yeah i mean it's strange that he pulled over but i guess he was known to do that as well but you can't 
You're not telling me that the two kids that they got and pinned it on and found the championship ring, found his valuables, that they wouldn't roll over immediately if they were part of some bigger scheme. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. No, there's Sorry. no way that's valid. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, even though the story's a little bit weird, that one I can't, you know. Yeah. And I love NBA conspiracy theories. I'm all about the frozen envelope. Are you familiar with Oh, is that when the Bulls got the number one? When the Knicks got number one to draft Ewing. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. The conspiracy theory is there was a frozen envelope in there. Because Stern, like, uh, I mean, there's, and look, I'm not, I don't really believe in the frozen envelope, but I love the conspiracy videos on it. Like Stern's hand fidgeting around and it's great. Really? Oh yeah. People believe they froze the envelope so he could uh, pick that one out for the New York Knickerbockers because they, uh. I feel like they weren't so, even in. So they can seal their fate of finishing second all the time? <laughs> I mean, it's or the biggest market in the world, right? It's the largest market in the world. It's the most famous stadium in the world. Uh, you don't have anyone to compete with your other big markets. The, the, you have Jordan, you have Magic, you have Larry Bird, and then New York kind of had nothing at that point. So it's a great conspiracy theory. Um, they have Bernard King, right? And up until. And yeah. then. Uh, yeah, you're right. I think that. Um, all right, I'm just so glad that Jordan never played for the Knicks. Yeah, for sure. Because he loved going there, going to New York, playing in that stadium. What was the allure to Washington again? Why was it Washington? Oh, was it ownership or management? It was ownership, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the only reason that, that whole thing went down. That, to me, is like Babe Ruth when you see him uh, in the Boston Braves uniform. Like, I don't even, like, I got to admit, I was not, like, my buddy – Again, this is back when I'm living with my buddies. He was so fired up that Jordan was coming back to play for the Wizards. And I just wasn't. I just knew that they weren't a good team. Yeah. And I just knew that he was just not going to be, you know. I mean, they weren't in the playoffs, right? They weren't in the mix. No, but he still pro- provided a cool – he still provided a few cool moments, you know. I mean, it was it was dwindling. It was here and there. Yeah. But it wasn't like – it wasn't a, you know, regular basis. I would love to see like a 30 for 30 on just that. Yeah. Him playing for Washington and what that was like. And it's cool that he did it. The and, fact um, that it took so long though. How long was he out? I think it was a couple of years again. I think he returned for, yeah. Um, did he play in 01? I think he did. I'm trying to see when he played for them. Yeah. Cause he missed 99, 2000. I think he missed, I think he missed two years, right? Yeah. I remember Letterman did a joke about the Washington bullets. What was um, it? that the people are upset about the team name, the Washington Bullets. They think it sounds too violent. So for now on, they're just going to be called the Bullets. <laughs> That's great. That was the, uh, the old joke. That's great. Yeah, I remember that comeback. And again, it was still exciting to see it, but it was two years removed and, you know, from from playing versus the 18 months and he was much older obviously um but like that i remember every moment of that 1990 uh 1996 comeback that thing was i mean i remember like i was a kid i was you know i couldn't drive yet i was like 14 15 and uh that was when i found sports radio because i wanted to hear everything that everyone had to say on it you know like i was ready for this comeback oh yeah that was uh that was incredible. I couldn't stand that he had changed his number, but I understand. I guess I got it. Just didn't seem like a good number, good basketball number. <laughs> and how petty of a reason to switch it back. I love that. 
Oh, right. When Nick Anderson made a comment. And I love Horace Grant just being like, oh, here we go. <laughs> the fact that he came back after all that time and then dropped 55 Insane. on the Knicks in the garden. Yeah. Like the, Knicks, the Knicks never had a chance. Yeah. Never. He was just able to come back and do that. That's got to be one of the most incredible accomplishments. Wasn't it like his fourth game back or something like that? Yeah. How about the uh, the first game back? He was like seven to twenty eight. <laughs> what a gun! Just, I know, right? <laughs> can you imagine coming back and <laughs> he comes back? You're just like, oh shit, I'm not getting the ball at all anymore. <laughs> That's the thing. Why do you take twenty eight shots then? I mean, the fact that you know he, they've got a pretty solid team. They had a few all stars that year before, um, and you come back and you just think you get twenty eight shots right off the bat. Right. That's a number that it's no one takes. Yeah, they were uh, they were so good, and then they got that second three peat. They got so efficient. They just Mike, knew ways to win. That was it. I mean, they they adapted to whatever they had to. That's where again, Krause put the right team around him. How about them going at Jerry Krause immediately into episode seven? Oh, it was fantastic. It was the best. I was like, oh, I was in right. I, both times I watched it, I loved that moment, and I was like, this is going to be good. It just the set the scene perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> And then I forget the reporter's name who asked the question, but after Kraus walks away, you just hear someone go, way to go, Greg. It was Craig Sager. Was Craig. it Craig Sager? Yeah. It was way to go, Craig, which made my day. <laughs> I didn't realize that was Sager. Yes. Oh, man. Way to go, Craig. It was so awesome. With all of the backstabbing going on here. And Kraus's response was pretty much an admission through denial. That he, there's a, first of all, there's no back, there's no backstab, and they just gets up and storms off. That's a pretty good Kraus you just did, by the way. There's no, there's no backstabbing. We're professionals. I'm like, I'm like these you people here. I remember reading that Jordan. I think it was in the Jordan rules that Jordan and the guys on the team called called Kraus Crumbs. That was <laughs> <laughs> his nickname was Crumbs. He always, oh. he always had crumbs on him. Jerry Crumbs. Oh, that's great. <laughs> they must have abused him. Of course they did. Oh, that's funny. I just, I'm sad that it's going to be over, dude. I know. There's going to be more, though. I, like, last week, I didn't do it this week, uh, you know, but last week I ended up watching Sports Center right afterwards. And it was just an extended, it was another hour about it. With Scott Van Pelt? Yeah, because there's nothing else going on. Yeah, the amount of content that's coming from this, it's crazy. It's all over. I, I saw this morning they were talking about it with, uh, like, uh, Green. Is it, are Golik and Greeny still together, or is it just Greenberg? Uh, so Greenberg's with Jalen Rose, and Golik is with Trey Wingo. That's who it was. It was Greenberg and Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose is good. Yeah, he is. I like him. Now, he was on that Pacers team, and Reggie Miller's coming out talking – yeah, we were the better. We felt Dude, we were the better team. I still what did. a great ending, Shut too. your mouth. Like, we, we were going to retire Michael Jordan. That's how I he know. felt going into that series. I don't think anybody in Chicago was ever scared of Reggie Miller. A little bit. I, I, I just – come on. After what he did to the Knicks in 94-95? <laughs> no, what was it? Oh, no, it was that year, wasn't it? It may have been that year. Everybody beat the Knicks, though. Fair. Reggie Miller had never did anything. Granted. Reggie Miller was a 
bitch. Granted, I was and still young was, enough to think that Jordan could still have a baseball career. So maybe I shouldn't <laughs> be the best one to be. <laughs> that Pacers team was good, and they took him seven. They did. It was a really good team. But the Bulls were just exhausted. For sure. They weren't going to lose, though. <laughs> right? Come on. One of the best things to come out of this, too, is the new Jordan memes. Oh, yeah. They're hilarious. Oh, my God. Just him watching Gary Payton talking about him. <laughs> Is so funny. I could watch a documentary of just Michael Jordan watching people tell you how they thought they were better than Michael Jordan. <laughs> He's like, oh, the glove? <laughs> I can handle the glove. Glove was no problem. And he wasn't. Mm-mm. That's what he thinks, Gary Payton thinks, that they had switched and put Gary Payton on him earlier in the series. Come on. This entire documentary is just a 10-hour extension of Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame induction speech. <laughs> this is just... Like video evidence of why I'm better than everyone else. This right. is backing up my points. And I love everything about that. I like that he gets to, you know, speak for himself on some things. But there's like, I'm hearing a lot of backlash from people who grew up in, you know, Detroit or Indianapolis um, who are <laughs> talking a lot of shit about this documentary. And I like love it. Just about how they're not showing everything, you know, they're not showing a lot of uh, stuff where Jordan was in the wrong or um, had a bad game, you know, just the, like, it's it just the fact that it's a Jordan puff piece. Yeah. Like, he did not have many is. bad games. No, that's the thing about his about finger. That. You're, you notice his finger on his uh, right hand, his index finger. No. Check that out next time. Cause he stretches his mitts out a lot. It's like, it's all jammed up sprained or whatever he did to that through the years, but he was, that's his shooting hand, but he was, um, that was one of the things I, I read about uh, Phil Jackson saying the difference between Michael and Kobe was their the size of their hands. And that that's one of the advantages he would give to Michael and why he was so, so good. How crazy is it, though, that it comes down to that? They're so talented that that's what Phil Jackson thinks is the difference between them. <laughs> How good do you think you could be? Five hands that size? Whew. Or if the ball was just that that much smaller it was if you you were if your hand was same in proportion to what his is we probably we probably be much better right i would hope so you can't get worse at basketball at that point right if you hold it with one hand makes it pretty easy (laughs) they said that that was like one of the reasons Shaq was so bad at free throws because it's difficult to shoot like if you were to shoot like a softball like a 16 inch softball i could see that but think about that. I mean, for him to be as good as he was, I mean, everything from the hands-on had to be perfect for, you know, and then the work ethic had to be stronger than anyone else's. That's the separator, right? That's what separates. But how many like, people have the work ethic and would never have the physical tools to be able to do that to a league? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's the perfect storm. You hear there's a million stories about people with the ability that didn't work hard. Jordan is a guy who has the most people he's punched in the face saying nice things about him in the documentary. <laughs> I feel like like there's something to be said for that, right? So who did he punch? Who's on the list? Kerr? Steve Kerr. Purdue? I heard Wennington. Wennington? Maybe it was Purdue. Who else? I'm going to Google who is Michael Jordan punched in the face. Did he punch Scott Burrell or just call him a Better not coach? be all white guys. <laughs> Zen. Uh, he did ride Scott Burrell very hard. I don't know that he punched him, though. 
I love when he called him a hoe. Yeah, how about it? Like twice. That's great. All right, so Jordan definitely punched Purdue and Steve Kerr. You're right about that. I had heard Weddington, and maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm confusing my seven foot tall white guys. You wouldn't be the first. You think he punched Luke Longley too? I I mean, sound, probably. I'd also heard he punched Judd Bushler, didn't he? I think I remember hearing that. Bill Cart Bill Cartwright threatened Michael. Did he really? Yeah, because Jordan was being a jag off to him, whipping the ball at him, saying he didn't have hands. <laughs> he called him medi- medical Bill. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, you know, he toughened uh, Jordan up too a little bit, or at least woke him up to the fact that, dude, I'll end your career. I think he said that to him in practice. Like, I'll cut you off at the knees. You won't play again or something. Bill Cartwright had a much bigger impact on those people than I thought. The whole yeah. weapon thing. Yeah, how about it? I mean, kind of really rallied the team together there. Um, okay, so uh, it's rumored that he also punched um, Judd Bushler. Man, Horace Grant. They should have named the Birdo Center Fight Island. <laughs> well done. Horace Grant gives up a lot of information. Yeah, Horace is coming off well, though, I think. He is on here, but, like, everyone thought that he leaked all that stuff to, uh, who was that, to Sam Smith? Yeah. Um, Horace Grant's the one who told uh, on a radio interview that Jordan sucker punched Will Purdue. Sucker yeah. punched. Mm-hmm. Ho Grant, doing it. When you're seven foot tall and you're a professional athlete, close to 30 years old, you're probably not thinking you're going to get punched in the face that much. And then Jordan just jumps up. <laughs> you think he had to leave the ground? Uppercut. Little street fighter. Then like a reverse. <laughs> what if he punched like he dunked too? Just legs like a out. crate a crate all legs out. <laughs> like the Air Jordan logo <laughs> punching you in the face. You could probably make a meme out of that. <laughs> and it says Jordan got into a fist fight with Reggie Miller. Oh good. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So you're not mad about that part. I do think that this Reggie Miller piece is a great place to uh to end it where they did, you know, to kind of go into that next. And, uh, it was a solid little, uh, it was a solid little um, cliffhanger. I can't use English today, Pat. I don't know what's going on with me. No, I, I know what you're saying. I think we could end here too. I was thinking we should end when we were talking about him playing in Washington because then we could uh, name the episode Magicians and Wizards. <laughs> it's not a bad idea at all. <laughs> oh, buddy. Let's take it home. You got it. So thanks to everyone who listens. Uh, again, review, leave us reviews, uh, subscribe, listen, download, whatever. I'm not good at this, Pat. How about you end it for real? Yeah, send us a note. I still uh, would love to hear from what people are thinking on the trivia and um, the format. And we'd love to get the reviews. They help us. I saw that we climbed up. I got a note from uh, iTunes that we climbed up to chart a little yeah bit. thank you guys for that moving in the right direction i got a lot of notes of people who were screaming joan of arc at their uh at their phones last time so i'd like to apologize for being an idiot and not knowing the answer to that question oh don't ever apologize for being an idiot thanks buddy it's part of You're the dynamic not the smartest <laughs> dude I know all right i'm gonna say this to the people listening i know it doesn't always come across on the podcast but you are very smart <laughs> goodbye and funny too you are funny these things may not come across on the podcast but let me tell you something all right buddy this is a good part of the day there's some dark days these
these days. This is always a bright, you are a shining star, James. As are you, Patrick. I uh, uh, hope you have a good evening, and uh, we'll see everybody on Friday. Bye, buddy. Bye, everyone. <laughs>